1: It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy.
0: Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. We're going to talk about self-awareness and self-assessment, why it's so important to know yourself as a therapist and how to do it. So why don't you start us off, Kurt?
1: Do we ever really get to the point where we know ourselves? I don't know. If if this is kind of this ever-ongoing, lifelong journey, if we had an answer to this by now, then this might only be a a five-minute conversation, but we're going to challenge all of you today to look even closer at yourself.
0: Yes, I think it's so important that we continue to look close at ourselves. I think there's some of that that happens when we're in grad school. We have courses that we take where there's some challenges on looking at who we are, how we fit into things. I think there's also those well, I know I did it, you know, times in our diagnosis classes where we start diagnosing ourselves and our family members. So there's a certain amount of self-assessment that can happen within our, our graduate programs, but I think as we continue out into the world and we understand who we're becoming as therapists, it's it's important to continue to evaluate and understand ourselves as we're growing and evolving as clinicians.
1: And I think that this brings up the the absolute point is that we often change because as you're talking about diagnosing back in our grad school classes, I think we all pretty much diagnosed ourselves with everything. So I'm not (laughs) at that point where I'm like, yes, I have every single thing listed in the DSM that I've definitely grown. And I would like to think that I am not done growing as a person and especially as a clinician. I look back to the types of clients that might respond best to me when I was in grad school. And I don't know that they're the exact same types of clients that I would work best with now. And especially as my career has gone from being licensed in my mid-20s where I could work with teenagers and be like, I'm closer in age than you. I better understand some of the things that you're going through than your parents do. Now that I'm in my mid-30s and I'm like, I'm the halfway point between you and your parents that Mm -hmm. I I can see the writing on the wall that someday I will be just their parents' age. So I know that (laughs) in continuing to go forward that I'm going to have to continue to challenge myself to find the, the best types of clients who are going to respond well to me and that I'm going to continue to be able to respond well to myself.
0: And I think it's so critical what you just said, which is that it can change over time. I think for me, certainly I had clients who I worked with better when I was younger. I, I think part of it was energy, part of it was kind of where I was in my practice. But I worked with kids when I first started. And now I just really don't take kids into my practice. I work mostly with women who have had some sort of childhood trauma. And I think for me I've found that those clients resonated with me because there was a a genuineness and an authenticity that I bring to the room. Because I'm just not that I'm not that fancy. I'm just not a fancy person. I wear clothes, you know, I wear jeans to my office. I just, you know, I'm I'm real. I'm I'm someone that they can feel like they understand and 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 can interact with. And so for me, it kind of my clients found me based on my personality, but also based on kind of the stuff that I learned about myself along the way. How did you figure out or or how do you continue to assess what types of clients you work best with and how your personality plays into the therapeutic interaction.
1: A lot of the clients that initially stay with me there, the, and, I, and I phrase it that way because sometimes clients get sent to me that uh, it might be based on my reputation or something that I've done in marketing that kind of leads me to questioning, like, how did you end up in my practice? Like if, You look at my website, it's entirely geared towards working with adolescents. Uh, I do work with adults, but every so often I'll get somebody who comes in for wanting to do couples work, and I'll be like, I am not a couples therapist. I'm a, I'm a marriage and family therapist by license, but I don't really do couples work. So the types of clients who do stick with me are the ones who really appreciate that I have a very kind of straightforward type response that uh, at times I can be directive, but at times I can definitely leave things very open and for clients to be able to choose their own path and Uh, to really be able to operate in the here and now instead of working on some sort of outside structural goal. But the consistent thing about my clients who stick with me is people who want open and honest feedback from me.
0: So what kind of clients don't work well with you? Who have you kind of ruled out? As You said couples, and I hate working with couples too. I could go into why that is, but that's not relevant for our conversation today. But It's something where you've in some way figured out that these clients aren't for you and you rule them out versus like on a phone screening, you're not marketing to them. Like, how did you figure that out?
1: Uh, Part of this was just kind of through the types of clients who weren't coming in. The ones that I was spending a lot of time trying to pursue in my marketing aspects and not really being able to engage them well uh, I think that I think that for a lot of people who overly identify as being a major creative type, I don't initially connect with without a lot of effort on my part. That I don't come from an art type world. I don't come from a very musically based world. And working in Los Angeles, there's a fair number of people uh, who work in the entertainment industry, but especially the actors, don't really (laughs) uh, tend to stick around with me for very long. So the types who do tend to be more of the straightforward, I would call them almost the people with grit, the the people who are willing to openly take feedback from those around them as a motive towards self-improvement.
0: So Understanding that you weren't able to really interact in a creative way with some of the clients who are more the artists, the actors, those people led you to to target more specifically some of the the adolescents that you work with, as well as folks who are really coming to therapy for more feedback. Is that right? Like direct feedback, that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, this is part of owning where I grew up and growing up in Montana and coming from Uh, a very blue collar type culture that those were the, types of responses that people gave back and forth just in their day-to-day lives where I grew up. And so it's it's coming from me naturally, it's coming from my own development, and it's really coming from owning my own development.
0: I think that's a really good point, because I think for me, I definitely am able to engage in the creative process. And I grew up, and I was a theater major in college. I did community theater when I was growing up. I was a musician, I sang. And so for me, interacting with musicians is something, and, and other people, and Actors and artists and people who play in the creative space. For me, that's very comfortable. Whereas for you, that wasn't something that you grew up with. But both of us living out here in the LA area, there could be an expectation that both of us would be able to interact with the artists and the, the actors and all of that. So I think it's it's each of us recognizing where our strengths are, where our personalities have you know, our developmental experiences and our personalities have come to, I think that's critical. I think for me, I recognize pretty early on that folks who take themselves really seriously, and I don't know if that sounds bad, maybe that sounds bad, but I think people who are very serious in how they approach life, the world, aren't necessarily folks who match up with me because for me, I use my sense of humor all the time. And I use... Sometimes sarcasm, I think that's one you have to be really cautious with depending on the client. But I i I was joking with a client a couple of days ago that, <laughs> that, you know, basically I treat the therapy session as a stand-up comedy routine. And so for clients that can't play around and find humor in things, and I actually work with a lot of clients who have trauma, if they aren't in that space where they see the places where there's kind of the comedic relief that can, Mm -hmm. can happen. I think those clients aren't necessarily the clients for me. I definitely have clients who I don't use humor with as much. It's more gentle. It's more in, in kind of a really, really, to the side kind of way, it's not central. But there are clients where I, it really does feel like it's a stand-up comedy routine <laughs> all the way through. And so for me, it's finding people who fit with my personality, and and I do that in a phone assessment. Like I I don't have clients come into my office without screening them, and I really try to make sure that I have my personality on display from the first phone call. Not like the most raucous wild thing where I make poop jokes, but like the 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 conversations where I can you know be a little goofy be a little silly and and see if they can roll with it because if they don't get it then they're they're not necessarily going to to interact with me on an authentic level in the room
1: Srizer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy as a therapist you would use thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront from the client's perspective, Thryser links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryser manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryser allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
1: And you bring up a great point about where in the developmental relationship with the client that you can be fully out there, and that there there really does kind of start from a more middle place with uh, the way that we we relate to clients, and especially in relation to humor but and uh, sarcasm and sarcasm, especially sarcasm. <laughs> I find that in working with adolescents that it's very rare when I have a teenager who's calling me up and trying to set up their initial appointment. So most of the time, most of the time it's a parent and I'll let the parents know that I'm just essentially like a 17 year old with graduate degrees that (laughs) I I really do focus on trying to uh, relate. And, and I, and I tell parents that, you know, my initial session is usually, I'm going to invite parents in. They can tell me what they want to have worked on with their client or with their child. And after about five or 10 minutes, I'll send the parents back out to the waiting room and I'll just turn to the teenager and be like, what is up with your parents? And, It's a great way to to get an insight into the family systems dynamics because if they just respond back with "see you see it yeah you get it right there," like <laughs> uh, I have I have made it into the first level of humor with with that with that type of client, uh, and if they respond back with oh, "they're they're pretty much okay," then I know that I've got to kind of settle into you know a little bit more straightforward approach.
0: Yeah, I think for me it's. me it's modulating the amount of humor i think for sure there's clients where it's so clear that that's part of their coping strategy and so i don't want to enable, but I want to join them in how they make sense of things. And so to clarify what I meant by poop jokes, I had a client yesterday or two days ago actually where we were talking about intimacy and honesty within a relationship and we were talking about the difference between holding boundaries and hiding things. And and so basically I said, you know, you can let your partner know if you want to that you have taken a poop, but going and showing the the toilet bowl is it's potentially crossing your own boundaries. And she just thought that was hilarious. She's like, I had a different one, but yours was way better. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it was, it's very visceral. It's very relevant. You know, I've definitely talked to to clients about if you are getting angry with yourself or you're judging yourself for getting angry, it's its kind of like getting angry with yourself for having to go to the bathroom. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. I don't know why I go for bathroom jokes. I really, I, I, maybe I need to assess that a little bit further.
1: I was just (laughs) thinking that this might be the first therapist podcast in history where we're like, yeah, poop jokes are a regular part of Katie's practice. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but i think i think that you know clearly with that client it was relevant it resonated and there's other clients where potentially they're a little bit more anxious or they're a little bit more serious but they can they can potentially not a poop joke but they can laugh when i throw a blanket over myself and say you know what parts do you see of me and and part of you know how you present yourself is what's visible to other people you know and and still be using my quirkiness but not Doing poop jokes
1: you know what's really kind of coming up for me right now is that there there's a lot of things that we might be told that we should do as therapists, and poop jokes are one of the things that we were probably told you should not do that
0: yeah yeah i think I think one of my shoulds is couples counseling as well. What are some of your shoulds
1: My shoulds are it really is that, that you should still. Be professional in your work, that this is not a stand up comedy routine for the sake of stand up comedy, <laughs> but that it fits well within the the therapeutic relationship, and that it 's mm-hmm. something that we really do try to work from from that therapeutic alliance aspect and it 's grounded in an ability to move our clients and move their defenses so that way they can hear what the what the point is, what the intervention is. And so for a lot of uh, how we should be as therapists, what I've learned in developing my practice is that I should just be me. And so, you know, there there was a day the other day I, I left for work in the afternoon and my thought was, oh, now I have to put on my jeans and sneakers to go to work to hang out with teenagers and talk about youtube personalities like that that was <laughs> that was the point of my day where i'm like my job's pretty cool
0: <laughs> yeah no absolutely i think for me The shoulds have been in the past, like don't do poop jokes. I don't know why this has become the central theme of our podcast today. But also it's been, I should be able to do different types of services. I should see kids. I should see couples. I should wear a suit or or business clothes. I should do a lot of things. And I think what you just said was so critical. We need to be ourselves. And I think, and I've said this before, and I don't know if I've said it before on the podcast, but I have clients that appreciate that I'm a human being and that I'm authentic and I'm not the blank slate of the past. Because when you have a blank slate, you can certainly have therapy material that comes up and you can you know, project onto that blank slate and you can have transference around that blank slate. But the problem with that is with some of my clients, especially the ones who've had a lot of relational trauma, sexual trauma, they become frozen by what they're projecting onto a blank slate and they can't work through it. It's not therapeutic for them to have a blank slate in front of them, at least in my opinion. And so to have a caring quirky therapist who will provide them space to process what they want to process as well as make jokes and give some direct feedback and have philosophical debates. I think it's, it's something that works better for my clients. And I know that about myself because I know for myself, I can not I can no longer be a blank slate. And so, so the clients who are seeking that clients who that would be the, the therapeutic indication, the treatment indication, they're not my clients.
1: So, I'm getting out of all of this that we are the therapists who contribute to the reputation that the therapists are the ones who have the biggest issues to deal with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because of my poop jokes? Are you saying, is that what you're saying? Well, (laughs) no. And and I think that
1: this brings up that maybe why therapists can be quirky is that we do overall tend to own who we are. And that Mm -hmm. awareness is really important in breaking down some of those barriers. But not every therapist is going to be A, humorous, and B, actually funny if they're wrong (laughs) about being humorous. So how do we look at ourselves in a way that is how we're operating in the therapy room? How do we look at that as are we actually doing our clients a good service by embracing our quirks and embracing so much of our own personalities.
0: I think that's important because I think a lot of the time that I get pushback not from clients certainly but from other clinicians around being a whole person or bring you know or self-disclosure or you know there's a lot of different conversations we can have about these things is you're bringing too much of yourself and too much of your material into the room. And I think that's a fair point. I think it's important that we are authentic, we are present, we can be quirky, we can be humorous if we are indeed funny. We can do what we do, but we need to make sure it's in service to the client and to the therapeutic alliance and not just because we can't bother ourselves with holding boundaries or having a professional demeanor.
1: And I think that a big part of this is being open to the feedback that clients give and opening the feedback to whoever else you might be working with, especially in a private practice model, your your clients are really the ones where the customer is, is right. And mm-hmm. it's based on, are they feeling that therapy is productive? Are they feeling that they're getting their time and their money's worth out of it? And if they're not, I think the onus is on the therapist to make that change.
0: And I think the change can be that you understand that you're not the right therapist for them. I think it can also be that you moderate how you interact with them, but I think that's an important thing to say because I know there's been times when I've had mismatches and I certainly didn't blame the client in any way, but I knew that I needed to refer them out and and it can be a painful process, but I think having that self-awareness and not blaming the client for them being defensive or lacking insight or whatever it is, I think that's so critical because if we're not looking at ourselves, if we're blaming our clients for therapeutic failures, it's, we're not performing well as therapists.
1: How do you seek feedback from your clients?
0: I know that, you, you know, you talk about the Scott Miller stuff. So we'll have you talk about the Scott Miller stuff. Cause I think that's really important. I don't do the full forms and that kind of stuff, but I do ask my clients how, thing is, how things are going, what they've found helpful, what they've found unhelpful. I really try to empower them In the beginning of treatment, as well as sometimes even session by session for some of the clients to really give me feedback on what did you get out of today? What are the things that you're taking home with you? Did that feel helpful? And I know that there's more effective ways to do that. And I know that you've potentially employed some of those things.
1: Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So, no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free.
1: So, the first time that I heard Scott Miller speak was in the 2009 Evolution of Psychotherapy conference. And he had really come out with the idea of hard-hitting, we're not as effective therapists as we think that we are, mm-hmm. and we should really be asking our clients to grade us on a session-by-session basis. I had been licensed for about six months at that time and was like, no, Scott Miller's wrong. <laughs> I, I don't like what he has to say. He is wrong, and I'm not going to do this. So the 2013 Evolution of Psychotherapy conference rolled around, and I'm like, I hated Scott Miller so much the first time that I heard this. I'm going to challenge myself to go back and see if there's something for me to (laughs) learn here. And I listened, and I was like, you know, he's got a point. And I think Mm -hmm. what had happened in those four years is I was really transitioning out of a point where I was compensating for being a young therapist and trying to put myself more into a professional role. And I know a lot of stuff, and I'm going to be open about the stuff that I don't know, but I wasn't quite open enough to, maybe I'm wrong. And so what Scott Miller really pushed at that conference was now part of the International Center for Clinical Excellence, is having clients fill out a rating scale at the beginning and end of each session. And the one at the end of the session is just a quick little five-second report card on what the session is, how well the therapist responded, how well the client felt that the therapist was staying on track. And what it really did for me is it attuned me to where the clients were responding a lot sooner than getting an email or a voicemail a couple of weeks later saying, you know, therapy is not really working out. It allowed me to make some of those adjustments and be able to not only work within the therapeutic alliance a lot better, but even as a business practice, it definitely helps keep clients who might have uh, burned out of therapy, moved to another therapist, or just stopped doing therapy altogether. It really did help move my practice forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really practical tool, to use, whether it's the formal process that you're talking about, or even just really making it a part of the conversation to make sure that you're you're meeting the client, that you're checking in to what I say, did that hit? Did that not hit? Getting a report card. I think that Scott Miller's work is really great. I haven't implemented it myself, I have to say, but I do think that it is something that can be really helpful for folks, especially as they're developing their skills to make sure that they're really getting a good assessment of what they're doing. I think that another piece to this is making sure I'm assessing how I feel about how therapy's going, the progress that's being made. I think that sometimes we can leave off our own feelings about do I enjoy working with this client? Do I feel energized after the session? Do I feel depleted after the session? Is that a clinical issue? It, is the person depressed and I'm feeling that in the room? Or is it a, a kind of personality and preference issue that this is just not the type of client that I work with best? And I think for me, I've done a lot of that to make sure that I am very specific and, and only keep those clients who I feel best with, who I feel I'm most effective with, and who who keep me, I think, functioning better. You know, I guess it speaks back to the the self-care topic that we talked about, but making sure that I'm not working with clients who drain me.
1: I am thinking of a New Yorker cartoon where it's a therapist walking out of a session with a client on the couch. And the caption is, this isn't working out for me. (laughs) (laughs) Another way that I actually check in with clients is I ask them if you had to describe me to your friends and family how would you do that? And Mm -hmm. it's a very much more open-ended question, but it really gives an insight into the impact of not only how I am with the client and what I'm doing with them, but how I make them feel. And in a world of feelings and a business of feelings, that's really important.
0: It's so important. I think it's something that not many people do because it is an uncomfortable question to ask when you are bringing... It's, and it's more of a, a, you know, kind of an intermediate or advanced skill to really talk about the therapeutic relationship openly. How do, how do you feel about me? How do you describe me? How did you feel in this interaction between the two of us? I think it can be very easy to talk about the stuff that's going on outside in their lives, but when you bring it in the room, it can really enrich the therapeutic work, but it can also really give you a good sense of how you present where your skills are, where your your weaknesses are, and and who the clients are that really see you and work with you the best. And I think, you know, even with that, even with communicating with your clients, doing good self-assessment, I think there's times when people can still lose sight of of who they are, what they're doing, and that kind of stuff. And I know it can it can be It can be really bad. I mean, people who are in isolation who are only having themselves and potentially some of their clients as the you know the evaluators of efficacy of ethical treatment, that kind of stuff, it can get really bad and so self assessment and interacting with your clients is really good, but I think it's also important to remain in community consultation and, and getting supervision and and other types of outsides second pair of eyes kind of folks so that you can continue to have additional data points on who you are and how you're operating.
1: And that consultation and supervision, I don't know of many therapists who had absolutely great supervision throughout their pre-licensed career. There's people who've had quite good, and there's a lot of people who've had adequate or worse. And especially as you develop further into your career, that rather than having to go to supervision or consultation, you get to go. And especially Mm -hmm. in being able to look at yourself and how you come across in the eyes of somebody who might have a better insight into the therapeutic process and working within that therapeutic alliance, that feedback can be where even established in your career that you can make some pretty big gains as far as your practice goes.
0: Yeah, I I think so many people, once they get licensed, can kind of huddle down and just try to make their business work or their practice grow or, or do specific types of treatment. And I think that Oftentimes, seeking out clinical supervision or consultation related to you as an individual versus learning a new set of skills or training or certification, I think that can be a little bit a little bit more daunting. I think there's just so many things that you can get can learn and get certifications on, and so I think being able to really get an assessment or an evaluation or some support or, or oversight of you as the person of the therapist can be really critical. I also really recommend people having feedback and support around the business aspects. Obviously, that's one of the things I do, but I think because we can lose sight of how we can continue to move forward and and make decisions based on things that aren't necessarily helpful and not related to the therapeutic process, the the What's going to be most effective? And so I think having a lot of different voices, including consultants, coaches, you know, colleagues, and therapists, because, you know, I think our therapists can also help us with some of that stuff.
1: And one last technique is still with client permission, of course, recording your sessions and mm-hmm. going back and playing through them because. I don't know of anybody who likes listening to their own recorded voice, but (laughs) would you do that? And especially if you go the extra mile of transcribing yourself, you hear every little um and pause that you do and Mm -hmm. you get to be your own best critic in how you're coming across in the room.
0: Yeah. I think self-assessment in all these different ways is so key. And I think it's so important that we do this because if we don't, we will become less effective helpers less effective clinicians and our clients won't get better so do it
1: thank you for listening to the modern therapist survival guide learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com you can also join us on facebook and twitter and please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes remember to check out thrizer They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thriser.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code moderntherapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.